0: As Chris has said, the readings from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 to 6. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who was blessed. who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves.
1: Thank you very much indeed. Um, Helen, great. Wonderful. Ephesians 1. Very excited about getting to this. It's a, it's a treat being vicar now. I can choose what I preach on. Before I was just given a passage and I had to preach on it. Now I can, I can pick whatever I like. So this is a great treat for me. Um, I'm going to pray for us whenever we come to God's word. It's right that we pray and ask for his help. So let me do that uh, for us now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and the chance to gather round it this morning and to hear what you have to say to us. And we pray that as we do that, that you would give us humble hearts before your word, um, hearts that are open before your word to be changed. And we pray that you would help us this morning to respond with great praise for you for what we're about to see. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I used to feel pretty jealous of a guy called Mike. Mike. I went to school with Mike and we've, uh, I think he's my longest standing friend actually. We've known each other for 20 years and Mike seemed to have everything in life. He was brought up in, on a farm in Jamaica. His family have lived there for several generations. Um, and um, I once visited Mike in Jamaica, actually. Um, It was the summer after we did our GCSEs. I'd been doing a holiday job for a whole year, saving up for the airfare. Uh, But once I got there, I was the guest of Mike's family. I didn't have to pay anything. I was just treated to what I'm I'm now pretty sure will turn out to have been the most luxurious holiday of my entire life. Uh, Mike's house uh, is on a hillside, uh, on a hilltop, rather, in rural Jamaica, Uh, you have a 360-degree panoramic of uh, tree-covered hills. It's absolutely beautiful. Uh, On one side of the house, there's a veranda for you to sit and watch the sunrise. On the other, there's a veranda for you to sit and watch the sunset. And if you do sit there, you can look down into the valley that is carpeted with this canopy of banana trees that provide much of the family's income. It's a pretty spectacular place. But it gets better. You see, the reality of it is that if in Jamaica you are white and your family have lived there for a number of generations, then you are immediately part of this elite social group. And so Mike really enjoyed the high life. Uh, Some of his family friends owned an exclusive hotel called Jamaica Inn, uh, which we stayed at for free um for a few nights when it was closed to the public so we had the run of the place to ourselves it was spectacular private beach butlers silver service absolutely extraordinary um, some of the james bond novels were apparently written there churchill went there there's a churchill suite i went there you can sit on the toilet and an un- un- uninterrupted view of the ocean in front of you That must have been what winston enjoyed a long time ago Um, A spectacular place. Mike's sister's boyfriend um, owns a a, a Caribbean courier company. So they have a few light aircraft. So hey, if you want to pop to a nearby island for the weekend, just pop in the plane. Off you go. Uh, Mike's on first name terms with Usain Bolt. I remember him. Um, Usain has been known to spend the night with them. And uh, Mike once appeared um, in a national newspaper in Jamaica Uh, photographed at a party, uh, flanked on either side, I I kid you not, by all of the contestants of Miss Jamaica. Um, This guy really seemed to have it all. And then Mike got a job flying around the world, tasting fine wine for a company that imports wine into Jamaica. It's just like he's rubbing salt in the wound the whole time whenever I catch up with him. He seems to have the life that everyone dreams of. He's loaded, living in the Caribbean, part of this elite, social group. Now, each of us will have our own idea of what the high life looks like. It might not be quite the same for you as it would be for Mike. But I think we've probably all had that feeling, haven't we, of looking at someone else's life and just feeling that pang of jealousy, that what if. It's certainly a widespread thing in our culture to do that. There are whole TV shows that just focus in on the rich and the famous and the privileged. Uh, Things like Made in Chelsea, uh, Keeping Up with the Kardashians. If you don't know what those things are, it's never been truer to say ignorance is bliss. (laughs) Keep it that way. Those are awful, awful programs. Um, But they tap into that thing in our culture of wanting to look at the lives of others and just for a moment we imagine and then return to our comparatively ordinary lives. I said I used to feel jealous of Mike. I can honestly say I don't anymore. And I think the key turning point for me in that was actually a few years ago when I started getting my teeth into Ephesians chapter one and the verses that we're looking at today and over the next couple of weeks. And so I want to take us on that same journey through Ephesians chapter one, in which we're going to see that anyone who is trusting in and following Jesus is spiritually speaking loaded Absolutely loaded, and among the most extravagantly blessed group of people on the planet, namely the church. This week we're going to see what God the Father has done for us. Next week, what God the Son has done for us. And the following week, what God the Holy Spirit has done for us. What one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, has done for us in bringing about our salvation and blessing us. These are extraordinary verses. And if we actually begin to take in and believe what we're going to see, Over the next few weeks, then we'll leave not feeling jealous, but feeling dizzyingly blessed for all that we have in him. If you're here and you're not yet a Christian or if you're not yet sure, then this is a great opportunity over these few weeks to look in at the treasury of blessing that is available to you and to anyone who puts their trust in. In Jesus, You might have been looking at church for years thinking, what's all the fuss about? It seems pretty ordinary to me. Well, come look beneath the surface at what the Christian has and why it is the most happy thing in the world to be a Christian and to know all that you have as a result. Here's the key word that Paul focuses in on in these verses, and it's the title of this talk, chosen, chosen. The start of Ephesians is very unusual because after a pretty normal introduction in verses 1 and 2, Paul breaks into this uninterrupted stream of praise. Verses 3 to 14 are one really long sentence, 202 words of praise. Have you ever had someone just burst into the room and they're so excited to tell you something, they just start talking and you can barely stop them and they don't stop to take a breath? And you perhaps don't even understand them. You have to slow them down and say, well, what what are you so excited about? That's Paul at the beginning of Ephesians. He has got such a lot to praise God for and he pours out this unbroken stream of praise because of that. And take a look at verse three. Here it is. It says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He's praising God the Father for blessings that he has received through Christ, every spiritual blessing though. Not some spiritual blessings, all of them, the lot. In other words, we're spiritually loaded. And look how we've come by these blessings by being end of verse 3 in Christ. Every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now, that's a bit of a weird phrase, but it is worth us taking a moment to get our heads around that because that phrase, if you were listening last week and remember, comes up all the way through this letter being in Christ. What Paul's describing there is the Bible's teaching that when anyone puts their trust in Jesus, we become united with him, one with him, inseparably connected to him by faith, such that we're always with him and all of his blessings pour Into us. Think of it a bit like when you uh, plug a lamp into the electrical socket and suddenly all the power of the northern grid pours into that lamp or is available to it and it lights up because of its connection to that source of power. So it is with the Christian when we are in Christ, we receive all the blessings, all the riches that he has. Or perhaps a a slightly better example would be in marriage. Uh, When I married Rebecca, we moved in together. And ever since then, we have been together. We haven't been inseparable quite, but we've, we've lived together the whole time. And we got a joint bank account, which was great for me because she had more money than I did. So I was up on the deal, I was quids in. It was great for me, but everything that was hers became mine. It works both ways, but definitely to my advantage. The Christian is in Christ, plugged into him, connected inseparably, united forever with him. It's where we are. It's who we are. One person has written this, as the fish to the sea, the bird to the air, the root to the soil, so is the Christian to Christ. He is our home, our place of being, where we belong, where we flourish. We are in him. And through that connection, we are blessed beyond measure with every spiritual blessing. But what exactly are the blessings that pour into us through our connection with Jesus? Well, here we come to it in verse four, that word chosen. Look at verse four. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. I don't know whether this happened to others, but when I was at primary school and we did team sports Uh, The way the teacher would organise it is to pick two team captains, they were normally the two most sporty ones in the class, and then it would be their job to look at all of their uh, peers, all the other children, and select them one at a time. They would choose them and they'd point and that person would come and join their team. And so slowly the pool of remaining children would go down and down and down until it was me. And a guy called Matthew Wright, poor guy, he was normally the last one um, left. It must have affected him badly. But the result of that process was that you either felt crushed because you were left right to the end, me, or you felt very proud because you were one of the first ones to be chosen. How should we respond, do you think, to being told that we have been chosen by God? Of course, we won't feel crushed. I mean, it's a wonderful thing to be chosen. But neither should we feel a shred of pride. And here's why. Do you see when we were chosen? Before the creation of the world. Well, there's a lot to get our heads around there, isn't Isn't there? But the first thing is surely this. He chose us before we could do anything to make ourselves attractive to him or worthy of him. And he chose us not because we were holy and blameless in his sight, Not because he foresaw that we would be holy and blameless in his sight. No, what does it say? It says to be holy and blameless in his sight. It's as though he said, Chris will never be good enough. But I'm choosing him and I will make him holy and blameless. Sharon will never be good enough. She just hasn't got it in her. But I'm setting my love upon her. And I will make her that which she could never have been on her own, holy and blameless. And my friend, if you're trusting in Jesus this morning, that is what he has said of you. He has looked upon you. He has chosen you. He has set his love upon you. And he has drawn you to himself. It's just what Jesus said to his disciples in John 15. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I always enjoy asking Christians how they came to faith. Um, uh, if you're um, having a conversation with someone you don't yet know in the church family, or you don't know that story, it's, it's a great thing to ask them, how did you become a Christian? And um, we all have our own stories, don't we? There are people along the way, there are key moments, um, there are maybe different churches that have been involved um, in that. But do you see this verse, it effectively says, yes, yes, but come, come back with me behind the curtain, let me... Show you that you know all of those things, yes, they but what was really happening is God had a plan right from the beginning, before the creation of the world, He planned to make you His own. Now, just wonder at this thought for a moment. Wonder at this thought that if you're a Christian, long ago, before the first sunrise dawned on Earth's horizon, before the first flower bloomed before the first bird took flight. God had already chosen you. Just extraordinary thought. That's what we're being told here. Not because of anything in you or anything in me, but purely because of his loving sovereign choice. How does that make us feel? Not pride, just astonishment, Gratitude, love, praise, certainly praise. That's why Paul breaks out here in praise. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And now think of this. He didn't choose you to be on his team, but in his family. Here's what verse five says. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. What amazing love is that? What an awesome privilege it is to be able to call God our Father and us his children. I think we too often let that language just roll off our back when it really should blow us away. If you've been coming to church for a long time, you've been calling God your Father for a very long time, but that's not normal. That's not something that we should take for granted. Other religions may refer to him as father in the sense that he's the creator, but no other religions claim the sort of closeness of relationship that we can through Jesus. Later on, we'll pray the Lord's prayer together and we'll begin our father. It's a massive spiritual blessing that we can have that kind of relationship with God because of our union with Christ. Not a cold, distant, austere father figure, but rather a father who lovingly chose us and predestined us for himself because he wanted us, because he loves us. Let's be people who spend time delighting in being the children of a loving heavenly father. But even more privilege is actually wrapped up in those words, adopted to sonship. This language of sonship could be misunderstood in our culture now. We could be confused and think that Paul's adopting some kind of slightly um, uh, patriarchal or sexist tendencies from his culture by using that language. Actually, it's exactly the opposite. The phrase adoption to sonship points to all of the legal standing of a son, namely namely all the inheritance rights. So it's actually radically inclusive to say that all Christians, male and female, are full recipients of the inheritance rights of a son. Being in Christ means that we are all children of God with equal access to every spiritual blessing in Christ. God has no second-class children we are full, loved, and richly blessed children of our Father God. Again, why? Why has God done this for us? Or well, the end of verse five, in, according, in accordance with his pleasure and will, simply because it pleased him. I really don't know why God chose me or why he chose any of us when our sin made us so completely unlovely. All I know is it pleased him, so he made it happen. He loved me because he loved me because he loved me. So he made me his own. And that gives me such security because if his choice of me wasn't based on my goodness, then he won't abandon me based on my badness. His love for me is not in the balance pending how well I live. No, his love is mine by grace, an undeserved gift. And that should leave me full of wonder and love and praise. Which is why Paul writes, verse six, to the praise of his glorious grace that he has freely given us in the one he loves. To be a Christian is to be part of a wonderful plan that spans the whole breadth of time. Is to be part of a family born of love with God himself as our father. It's to be chosen, blessed beyond our ability to comprehend. We, the church, are the chosen children of God. How should we respond then to these things? Well, firstly, a word to husbands here, very specifically to husbands, but worth us all hearing. Uh, We saw last week that this letter is in two halves. The first half is all about what God has done for us. And the second half is how we should respond to all that God has done for us. And so he makes a lot of connections between one half of the letter and the other. And there's one between the verses that we've looked at together this morning and something that he says to husbands in chapter 5. In chapter 5 in, in verse 4 uh, we saw that he says this God chose us to be holy and blameless in his sight The word holy means to be set apart for something exclusive In this case God chose us to be exclusively for him set apart for himself his own his beloved Well, that phrase, holy and blameless, comes up again in chapter five, where Paul writes this. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy and blameless. That phrase again. Paul's point is that a Christian husband should love his wife with the same sort of love that Christ showed for the church. And what sort of love was that? It was a fierce Costly, beautiful love. Because when he chose us, he also chose the cross as the only means of winning us and wiping away our sin. In other words, the only way of making us holy and blameless. We have been shown the most full-hearted, self-sacrificial love the world has ever seen. And Paul says, husbands, let that love shape you and change you and define your love for your wife. Lay down your life in her service. Remember how last week uh, we considered that the church, um, as we live in light of all that God has done for us, we are like a developing picture showing onlookers the goodness and wisdom of God's plan to unite and restore all things in and under Jesus. Well, specifically here, the love a Christian husband shows towards his wife should be a picture that points to the amazing love of Christ for the church. And all of this sends a shudder of conviction down my spine because my wife's sat here. And I know I'm not the husband always that I should be. And that my love for her falls well short of Christ's love for the church. But it's also a thrilling thought, a thrilling thought that when I lovingly serve and sacrifice for my wife, even in the menial tasks of life, I might be doing something so grand and worthwhile as showing my children, at least anyone else looking in, it's my wife as well, something of the love of Jesus for them. Even as I do something as dull as the washing up, I can be displaying the gospel. And that elevates the role of being a husband into a great calling and ministry in itself, doesn't it? If you're a Christian husband here, that should encourage you in your task of loving your wife well. So, husbands here, let's be men who daily look at Jesus and his love for us and then turn to our wives and repeat (laughs) Look at Jesus. Repeat, look at Jesus, repeat. How should we respond to being chosen by God? Well, firstly, husbands, reflect the love you've been shown by loving your wife just as Christ loved the church. Secondly, be exclusively devoted to Jesus. Whether or not you're a husband, you are a bride because the church is the bride of Christ. Again, in chapter five, Paul writes, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but here's the surprise. I am talking about Christ and the church. Christ is the man who is united with his bride, the church. How should we respond to being chosen? Answer, by being holy to Jesus, exclusively devoted to him. Are you? Am I? That's what he chose us for, to be holy and blameless in his sight. Give him your undiluted loyalty and love. Thirdly and finally, how should we respond to being chosen by God? Well, verse six says, all this should be to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. To the extent that we understand what God has done for us, that will be the extent to which we will want to praise him for his glorious grace to us. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. We are spiritually loaded. He's chosen us, not because of anything in ourselves, but because of his sovereign love, and he's adopted us to sonship, making us his children. The church are the chosen children of God. Remember that song that we heard last week and learned together the chorus? Praise him for, um, praise him for his glorious grace. Praise him, praise him, praise him for his glorious grace. That's what we're to do. Friends, being a Christian doesn't give us every physical blessing in the world Paul knew that, he was writing this from prison. But it does give us something much better. It gives us every spiritual blessing in Christ. And that is something much better. Because we can't lose that. We all know these physical blessings that people have, that the super wealthy have, that actually we have, that they come and go, they last a while, but you know, everyone ends up in a coffin at the end of it all. Maybe a slightly fancier coffin, but no one takes it with them. These physical blessings, we know, they're here for a moment, then they're gone. But the blessings that we have in Christ last forever. They can never be taken away. It is a very powerful thing to know that you have been chosen. Not ignored, not rejected, not left on the shelf. Chosen. It's a very humbling thing to know that it wasn't because of anything good in yourself. And actually, a very reassuring thing because it means you won't lose God's love because of your sin. Christian, you are a chosen, loved, highly valued, and secure person in Christ. The church are the chosen children of God. There's no one left to envy because there is no one on earth more blessed than the Christian. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for your glorious grace shown to us through your son when he gave his life for us on the cross. We thank you that through him, through our union with him, being plugged into him, we receive every spiritual blessing in Christ And we pray that you would help us to grow more into an understanding and an appreciation of all that we have in you, such that everything else would look dull and dim and boring in comparison. And we pray that you would fill our hearts with great praise for you today, for all that we have and for all that you have done for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.